All right, Rob, I, I, I know what you're saying, but I, I just think it's creepy. I don't think anyone's going to go for this. What the hell is this weirdo talking about? I don't know. I, I mean, I think it's, I think it's definitely a, a pussy magnet. Yeah. I, I mean, I, okay, so I'm coming at it from a different perspective here. I, you know, I, I get that, but I just, the whole ventriloquist dummy, I don't picture like women like going for this. It's, it makes you seem really weird, Rob. And you're not, you're not at all, but I just don't, I don't picture this working. And this is coming from a guy wearing a puppy vest and Speedos. Well, you know what? It's chilly, so I'm warm on top, but I'm casual on the bottom. We are by the beach, you know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, dummies kind of creeped me out, but I just thought this was a, a great way to meet, you know, some new women, you know? Where did you get this idea? Did you... You didn't see this in the back of a magazine, did you? I did. I actually ordered it from the back of Mad Magazine. <laughs> yeah, I don't. You may want to rethink that. I hope. Did you save your receipt so you can return it? Uh, I didn't get a receipt actually. Oh, Rob. He's a fucking idiot. <laughs> it's funny. I'll give you that. Maybe she's got a good sense of humor and she'll be willing to get naked just because you're funny. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Or or I could be trying too hard to be funny and then I end up with nothing except this my hand in this dummy's ass. <laughs> I kind of like it. I was going to say, I've had dates like that and they worked out okay. Oh, okay. So, yeah, you played the ventriloquist quite a bit, haven't you? <laughs> Guilty as charged. Did you hear that? I did. It sounded like twigs breaking. That's pretty creepy. Yeah, what the... Okay, is somebody out there? I don't know. I feel pretty safe in this flimsy tent, though, I gotta admit. You guys should really run now! Hmm, can we take the advice of a dummy? Oh, shit! The tent's ripping! What the... Ah! Holy ah! shit! No! Ah! No! Ah! They're coming. Humanoids from the deep. A tidal wave of rampaging creatures surges from the dark and violent sea to conquer the earth. Maybe intelligent enough to perceive man as a competitor. Why the girls? It's my theory that these creatures are driven to mate with man now in order to further develop their incredible evolution. It's enough to scare the hell out of me. Soon the world will awake to a terrifying riptide of humanoids from the deep. We think we know where these things come from, but we have no idea how many there are. The Earth plunges into a battle for the survival of the fittest, where man is the endangered species and woman the ultimate prize. you hide anytime you stop they will find you Doug McClure and Terkel Vic Morrow humanoids from the deep all right so judging from that horrendously horribly scary trailer we are going to be talking about 1980s humanoids from the deep 
We're so glad that you joined us for this episode of the Midnight Mass Preacher Cast. I am Mark, and I'm joined by the always awesome Rob. Yes. Or should I say, I don't know. I, <laughs> you know what? I'm just going to go with Rob. There we are. Okay. <laughs> I was like, what is he going to say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had something in mind. It it was so quick that I couldn't catch it. So you gotcha. know. and it just flew away. Yeah, it was there and then gone. Gotcha. All right. <laughs> All right. Um, I can't speak for Rob, but I'm hopped up on cold medicine, so anything could happen this episode. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, as as is usual for this podcast. Um that is true. without the cold medicine, it just uh you know, it happens. It does happen. Now, so this is, uh, I will let you go first. Uh, when did you first experience human, uh, Roger Corman's Humanoids from the Deep? Humanoids from the Deep. Um, it must have been, I want to say maybe 86 or 87. And okay. again, another movie that, well, I think every movie around that time scared the hell out of me, but I loved it anyway because I'm drawing parallels with this, with Chud as well. Yeah, you and me both, okay. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. yeah, just uh, just seeing those creatures with their giant heads and it looked like their brains were exposed. And, you know, it did something to me. It injected a, a whole new fear in me. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, and I'll, I myself, I don't know about you, but I loved um, the Creature from the Black Lagoon movies. Oh, yes, I did love that as well. It kind of, in a weird way, had that kind of feel to it, you know, like the the monsters from the water and everything. And, you know, I hate underwater horror, too. Yeah, I know. So was it a struggle to get through this movie? Uh, you mean with all the breasts? Uh, no, I mean, with all the underwater horror. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was fine. It's creepy. I do not like the underwater stuff. But, yeah, it was pretty creepy. Now, for me, I remember the TV spots terrorizing me. They just I just. They cut it really well. I mean, I think Roger Corman always had really good people working for him as far as the advertising department goes. But the the trailer was really pretty solid. Um, and then I think I actually caught this on uh, on tape, on VHS, I think, is the first time I experienced the terror of humanoids from the deep. Um, I love, like, creature features, like monster movies. Um, and this one really... I know, I know the subject matter it's dealing with is very exploitative. Um, but like, you wouldn't even have to have that in it. It could just be them attacking men and women. I, I really wasn't in it for the whole um, forced copulation aspect, but I just love the whole creature attacking yeah. plot. Um, and I loved it. I, I did. I still do. I know it's pure cheese. <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> it is, but I think that's where some of the best stuff comes from. Oh, yeah. I mean, and it's Roger Corman, for goodness sake. Um, this is kind of what you expect from him, I think, especially in the 80s. Yeah, I uh, think a lot of the 80s movies had this, whether it was Roger Corman or um, I forget his name. There goes a brain fart already. <laughs> um. Yeah, I can't remember the name. I'm going to have to edit this part out. Yeah, no worries. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, like, yeah, um, you know, Carpenter, is, Corman, uh, Wes yeah. Craven, you know, all of that. 
Oh yeah, it is just very 80s. And especially it reminds me of the more, not even the bigger names, but the like, because uh, it was still like the 80s was like kind of like you get your slashers and a lot of that was kind of this kind of sleazy kind of aspect to it as well. Yeah. And yeah, this, and I think it kind of fits in with that whole sleazy 80s feel. It really does. This reminded yeah. me of uh, if Jason or the Texas Chainsaw Massacre took place in a small fishing village with, uh, instead of the slasher being, you know, Jason or Michael Myers or something, they were fish people. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just exactly. killing everybody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Very randy fish people. <laughs> very, yeah. Super horny. Very, very. Exactly. Exactly. And then, so I guess we've got to uh, first start off with our directors. Um, the first one, the original one is Barbara Peters, um, which is very interesting because it's a female director um, kind of helming a really salacious subject matter. Um, yeah, which she had, to be fair, she had no clue. Um, well, to some degree. I mean, you still had the subject matter. I think she just didn't know to what degree that Mr. Corman was going to push things. <laughs> right. He ended, um, uh, he ended up adding a more nudity and cutting out the parts that were character development parts. And <laughs> so. Right. Yes. Yeah. He knew what his rest. Was. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, now Miss Peters, uh, I know a couple of her films. I don't know. Are you familiar with the director? I am not. So back in the seventies, she did, it's like a biker flick, like a revenge one, but it's like almost like a feminist version. It's called bury me an angel, which if you're into those kind of movies, it's a really good one. Um, she also did summer school teachers, which is like one of those like teen comedy things from 75. Now this one, I don't know. You're either going to know exactly what I'm talking about. Or you're going to be like, I don't, I have no clue, but it was called the powers of Matthew star from the eighties. No clue. Okay. All right. So it was like, it was only on for like one season, but it had Peter Barton in it. And he was like this alien, but on earth. Um, and Peter Barton, I, he's so dreamy. He was in hell night and he was in Friday the 13th, the final chapter. So part four. Um, but those are the only things that I really am familiar with that this director did. Um, so she actually, yeah, like you were saying, she did the movie, but then there were some spicier scenes added in by the uncredited Jimmy T. Murakami. Murakami, M-U-R-A-K-A-M-I. Now, this gentleman, did you ever see Battle Beyond the Stars? It sounds familiar. I might have. It's the one that's got John Boy from the Waltons in it. In Sybil Danning. I never watched the Waltons. <laughs> oh, okay. All right, then. Um, and now he also did a um, segment in Heavy Metal. Okay. Now I'm familiar with that. Okay. And now for all the Kate Bush fans, and I'm sure we have many out there. I know I'm one. Um, he directed the music video of King of the Mountain in 2005. But that's all I'm familiar with this other gentleman. But he's the one who kind of went in and put the other extra scenes in that Mr. Corman was requesting to spice things up ah yes yeah so now we'll, we'll go into spoilers so i don't want anyone you know like watching this thinking that they're not going to know what's happening but yeah we'll go into every spoiler there is about humanoids from the deep spoiler alert spoiler alert um so the wide premise is pretty much it's a small like fishing community and 
um, it's called Canco, and it's a uh, they're wanting to open a, a cannery there for salmon. Mm-hmm. And um, some of the townsfolk are for it, some are against it. Especially, there's an indigenous gentleman named Johnny Eagle, and yeah. uh, he's um, he's basically wanting uh, the the cannery to go away and to give back the land to his people. Um, Why is he the only Native American in that film? You would well, think that like just him and then like uh, the tribe, the rest of the tribe, like he would be talking to, but he only lives, he lives in a very secluded place out in the woods. And it's like, there's uh, you know, there's no contact with the rest of the tribe there. That, that just struck me as weird. I think it was because um, uh, Mr. Corman couldn't find other Hispanic people to hire <laughs> to play us to play Native Americans. <laughs> but yeah, to play the indigenous uh, uh, tribes that he would need. Yeah, actually, I put in my notes that uh, uh, Mr. Pena is much like uh, Armando Sante in Prophecy, playing an, uh, an uh, indigenous man. Because <laughs> <laughs> did you ever see Prophecy with the giant bear? No, I, I saw Prophecy with Christopher Walken. Oh yeah, no, you need to see the giant bear one. We can't cover it because it was from the seventies, but it's <laughs> in such a good way. I love it. It's one of my favorite monster. We films. might be able to cover that on a bonus episode. My birthday, maybe my, next year on my birthday. Yeah, um, your birthday episode but, or my yeah. birthday episode. That's true, but I would feel bad making you pick a movie that I love for your birthday. <laughs> oh, that's fine. Movies are movies, man. But, we um, can do it. Yeah, but so yeah, basically the yeah the cannery's coming, and then uh, they've kind of been messing around with genetics and things that they shouldn't have been doing. Um, and Which so the, we don't find that out until a little like far, maybe twenty minutes. Oh yeah, I'm just doing the whole basic. Oh okay, I gotcha. Doing the whole, and then we can get into the, the the swing of things. And uh, so because of that, they have um, released something very uh inhuman into the waters bobby anthem (laughs) (laughs) love you brother and then uh so we've got this is a weirdly kind of big cast of people (laughs) that's what i thought but yeah it's like very sprawling and you almost need like a scorecard to keep track of people's relationships yeah because they're very intertangled in, in this movie <laughs> i like how they boil it down where they're when they're not in use they kind of blend in with the background and then they come out as needed right exactly yeah and then there's like people are like uh like involved with each other and then you don't really realize who they are until later you right. know they come in and out yeah so um there's like the Hill family and that's uh Jim Hill. Who's not Tom Atkins. He looks like Tom Atkins though. Not, but he's Doug McClure. Doug McClure. Yeah. Now um, I just have a couple of his films real quick, if that's okay. That's fine. Um, now, how do you feel about the Bermuda triangle? Did that terrify you as a child or are you too, is there too much of an age gap between us for that? I think there's too much of an age gap. I don't believe I've seen that. Is it terror? Well, the Bermuda Triangle was like a thing, like killer bees and you know Bigfoot in the like seventies and stuff. So it terrified me. Just knew that it was going to get me, much like quicksand. But there, why would I be at the Bermuda Triangle? But anyway, he was in Satan's Triangle, the TV movie from seventy five, and then he did. He played the same character. He was Bowen Tyler from 
the land that time forgot and the people that time forgot its sequel. And then uh, he was also in the musical South Pacific. That's where I know Mr. McClure from. Not Tom Atkins. Not Tom. Now, I thought it was Tom Atkins. And so the, the moment I saw him, I was drawing parallels between this and the fog. Oh, see, he did not have a um, much younger girlfriend. So I thought you would know right away it was not. <laughs> <laughs> His girlfriend wasn't a uh, 19-year-old Jamie Lee Curtis. Exactly. It was not. Um <laughs> But now I'll be honest with you. I don't know if you felt the same, but I kept thinking of uh, and nothing against any of these people, but I kept thinking of other uh, thespians that they would have put in this movie. Um, like his wife, I thought, you know, would that have been like Adrian Barbeau in a different alternate universe? And, you know, would Jane Lee Curtis have been in this if the movie wasn't quite so sleazy and she wasn't done with like horror at that time? Oh, absolutely. You know I what think. I mean? that, yeah. Yeah. I was actually yeah. putting people in in this movie, like uh, Heather Locklear, and oh yeah, 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 totally. There's like a lot of people, especially with the, with the hair. Oh shit, yes, it had like very '80s style to it. Um, yeah, like going out of the '70s into the '80s because it was really pretty much filmed in '79 and released in 1980. Yeah, that super teased up hair and the whole uh, meatballs esque aspect of it. It was just. Very 80s. Yeah, and I also have in my notes that people love to puffy down best. <laughs> well, you're in a fishing a village. So. Yeah, there's a lot of that going on. And then just since we're talking about the hills, we've got uh, his wife, Carol. Um, now, her only thing that I know her from, it's Cindy Weintraub, and she was in The Prowler, which is another um, Tom Savini horror movie. Um, mm, that's one I didn't see. Okay, it's actually pretty good if you're into slashers. And then it took me almost like halfway through the movie to figure out that they were actually supposed to be siblings, but he's got a younger brother named Tommy. Ah, uh, yes. I thought that was his son, to be honest. Yeah, with you. No, yeah it's his brother. Okay. Um, and that's Breck Costin. Now, the only reason I mention him is because he was in the amazing Charles Bronson movie, 10 to Midnight. Now, see, I've only seen the Bronson Death Wish films. I've never seen any of the other ones. Okay, so 10 to Midnight is about this guy who, who goes around killing nurses, but he strips off all his clothes to do so. <laughs> so I love it. Um, oh, shit. What is, what is the reason behind that? Uh, supposedly so not to leave like any evidence around. But oh, I, it's, okay. It's great. And, and then he was also in uh, The Man with Two Brains from 83, the Steve Martin one. Okay, now I did see that and I loved it. Yeah, I, I assumed that you would have seen that one. That was one of my grandmother's favorite ones, too. Um, so, yeah, those are the Hill family. So we've got them. And then we have uh, <laughs> the really hateful, hateful, hateful um, Hank, played by Vic Morrow. Yeah. And he had that kind of uh, uh, mobster look to him. Well, yeah. And he's pretty much working on a buzz throughout the whole film because if if he's not already drunk, he's getting a drink. Yes. <laughs> They're heavy drinkers. Yeah. Him and his whole little like motley crew of other instigators. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So and it's clear that he and uh, Mr. Uh, Hill aren't the best of friends. So nope. he provides a lot of the uh, friction in the community. Even though they want the same thing, like they want the town to thrive and they think the cannery is the way to do it. Uh, Jim Hill 
does not agree with Hank Slattery's methods. No, Hank is just a a bastard from the get go. I think. Yeah, he's a big old sleaze bag. Yeah. Now that's uh, the actor is Vic Morrow. Um. Okay. So, are you familiar with Mr. Morrow? I am not. There's not a lot of people in this movie that I'm familiar with. Okay. So, he was in The Blackboard Jungle from 55. Uh, he was also in The Evictors from 79, which is not a good horror movie, but I love it. So, I'm putting that out there. He also did The Bronx War, 1990, The Bronx Warriors. But now, this is the one that I think you're going to be like, oh, okay. He was the gentleman that was killed in the Twilight Zone movie. Mm. timeout segment he was the one um that had the helicopter mishap in the john landis episode where he and the two young children were killed no Mm, i did see the twilight zone movie but i can't recall that all right if 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 you uh folks that have been following us for a while uh, Kenny and I discussed it on the American World in London ep- uh, episode because John Lannis was the director of that one as well. Oh, he- okay. Yeah, that accident. Oh, All yeah. Right, yeah. Uh-huh. Anyway, and then uh, he's actually survived by his daughter, who is Jennifer Jason Lee. No way. Way. <laughs> yep. Unbelievable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she, of course, was just from, uh, you know, single white female and the amazing flesh and blood uh, movie by Paul Verhoeven, where as I stated before, Rutger Hauer runs around in a thong <laughs> throughout the whole movie, right? <laughs> whole movie, whole movie. Uh, and then she was also in the Hitcher again with Rutger Hauer. And then I love my Amityville horror movies. And she did Amityville, the awakening in 2017. Now that's one I have not seen out of a plethora. I think I, I heard somewhere there's like over 50 Amityville horror movies. My goodness. I saw the one with Ryan Reynolds. Oh, um, so did I. Anything yeah. that might open the beard, I will sit through. I don't care what. <laughs> He's like one of my favorites, and I will not accept anyone else as Deadpool. He can play Deadpool forever for all I care. I heard they're making a female version with Melissa McCarthy. <laughs> I'm just putting that out there. All right. Okay. So, uh, yeah, that's Hank, and he is like Mr. Dastardly. Uh, and he's just, I don't, he just seems like he lives to just be like a, Shit disturber. Yeah. He he's a huge pain in the ass for the entire time. Yeah, exactly. And he has really, really got it in for Mr. Eagle. Mm-hmm. Uh, John. Yeah, he's just hates him with his every fiber of being. So yeah, so that's basically our town folk. There's also a sheriff. I did not write down the the uh, gentleman, but he seems pretty worthless. He's almost uh backboneless, I would say. He just um, goes along with whatever uh, Slattery says most of the time. Exactly. Yeah, I was going to say he's definitely, uh, Hank definitely has a sheriff in his back pocket for yep. sure. Yeah. And then uh, the cannery also brings in um, our uh, scientist, Dr. Susan Drake. Who I am completely in love with. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. All right. And then who's the actress? Do you know the actress? I found out her name is Ann Turkle. Uh-huh. Okay. And I don't know her from anything, but I mean, when I watched this, it's just like immediately I was drawn to her. There was something about her. Oh, Uh, okay. Interesting. I was like, Ooh, she's hot. She's probably not hot anymore because (laughs) she was twice my age when this movie came out. So might be a very attractive older lady. We just don't know. Yeah, she could be. I mean, look at Elvira. Elvira's pretty hot. She might just be a very sweet person, which that goes a long way in my book. Yeah, that's um, true. 
Now she was in Deep Space from '88. Did deep you see space, that one? Deep Space, Deep Space. My goodness, that sounds familiar. Okay, I think we had this discussion before. If you haven't seen it, you might want to check that one out if you're a fan of hers. But she was also in the really weird movie called The Fear from '95. It wasn't made by Wes Craven, but he's got like a small role in it. That's the one with the dummy that comes to life. Morty? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I did see that. Okay. Yeah. It's so weird. But anyway, yeah. So that's, that's where we know like her from as well. Okay. So, (laughs) okay. Now that is pretty much most of our cast. There's a couple other people we'll get to as we're talking. Um, So really the town is just. Um, it's a small fishing town. Um, it's being kind of split in two by the prospect of the cannery taking over. Um, and then it's also, uh, there's something going on. Uh, the first, I guess, really glimpse into that is where we see the Hills, um, dog meets its demise. Yeah. Uh, Baron. Baron the dog. Mm hmm. Baron. Poor Baron. Now this uh, this uh, film utilizes a lot of jump scares. It does. Like the first jump scare, I thought was when the when his wife is looking for Baron and the cat runs out of the doghouse. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and then not only is Baron um, met his misfortune at the hands of something, but so have all the other dogs in town, except for uh, Johnny Eagle's dog. Yes. So the, automatically, Hank leaps. <laughs> to the conclusion that he's behind killing all their dogs. Yep. And he's the only, he's the only native American there. And it's like, you've got a town. There are no black people in this town. Oh, I, that's true. Well, there's actually no indigenous people either because right. Johnny, <laughs> Anthony Pena. Yeah. I keep forgetting that, that he's not. Yeah. Right. Oh, um, man. Yeah, so there's already a rift there because of the whole dog killing thing. Yeah, they uh, think that he killed the dog. Yeah, which I'm not really even sure what his motive was supposed to be. Right. Like, he, why, I don't understand. Anyway, whatever. Um, but then we get uh, our first, uh, I guess, creeper peak of the uh, stalking of a woman, and that's Peggy. Who uh, is, uh, oh, yes. She was, yeah. she was in her little uh, negligee, whatever the hell you call it. And apparently doesn't know how to wear a robe. No, definitely does not know how to wear a robe. Never made its way to her shoulders. Um, <laughs> just really quick, because I wanted, I do want to cover this movie with you. It's one of my favorite alien movies, like lower tier alien movies. Her name is uh, Lynn. I think it's Thiel, T-H. Um, I believe it's E-E-L. But she was in Without Warning. That's the one with Jack Palance and Martin Landau and David Caruso. Um, but we, we, I want to talk about about that one with you so bad we've got to cover without warning okay we're going to add that to the list yeah but that's peggy okay yeah now okay i i want to talk about a couple things in this so (laughs) so basically she's she's getting ready for her big night at the uh like barn dance or basically whatever you call it but so she's walking around the house uh and (laughs) so this the shirt that falls off the hanger it, didn't it, it sound like, like it got sliced? Yeah, I'm like, because we rewound and watched it like three times. I'm like, that's a knife noise. Like, yeah. what? 
What's happening with that? That's like the sharpest shirt ever. Yeah, I thought the shirt got cut in half and landed on I the know. floor. I know. And then the, so the phone rings. And that gets another jump scare. And on the other end of the phone is Linda. And now, I don't know who Linda is at all. Well, you do because she comes into play much later. Oh, okay. Yep, I see it there. Yep. Okay, yep. Linda. Yeah, and Linda is the girlfriend of Tom, who we've already met, but we probably really didn't even figure out who the heck he was until much later. But Tom is, of course, the brother of um, Jim. Aha, okay. Yeah, it's like so, like, I'm like, wow, you've really got to be paying attention to this thing. Like, if you're not listening, you're not going to know. They're like all over the place with these people and their relationship. You're right. And I I thought I was paying attention, but apparently I wasn't paying enough attention. Oh, yeah. No, it's like all if I hadn't been taking notes, it was just like kind of like washed over me, I think. And I've seen this movie a lot because I love it. Um, And then so um, she grabs a meat fork. Yeah, and I I wrote in my notes, I was like, she's going to fork the intruder. Right. (laughs) Exactly. Um, But then, of course, she's scared from behind by her bohunk, which is played by, it's Jerry is her boyfriend. And it's played by, I hope this is right, that's the pronunciation. It's, I believe it's Megan King. It's M-E-E-G-A-N. The only thing I know this actor from is Blue Sunshine from 77. Did you ever see that movie? It's really trippy. No, I did not. It's about people who had taken LSD and the after effects on them. It's it's a really weird, trippy movie. It, if you're into that kind of cinema, I recommend it. But yeah, that's the only thing I, I know uh, Megan or Megan King from. But anyway, that's Jerry. Yeah, um, I've not seen him in anything. No, so keep all these people in mind because they're going to come up later. <laughs> yeah, and but I'm definitely going to forget who they are. Right. Uh, and then, so basically, the, uh, they're getting ready to to uh, head to the, like I said, like little barn dance, uh, where uh, they're going to announce that the cannery and and everything is coming to town. So, and there's a song in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, yeah. And then that's also where uh, we really get a, a glimpse at the at the at the the dance. We really get a glimpse of just how awful Hank is as a human being, and we get a glimpse at how boring their freaking barn dances i mean well yeah that too but like hank has really got it out for johnny he just like tears into johnny and all his little drunken minion um oh yeah yeah it's like he's he's like the schoolyard bully where everybody follows him and just goes along with it yeah Yeah, he's like awful and then i love this one because peggy and uh (laughs) peggy and uh, jerry are out making out in like the, <laughs> the covered truck part. I thought that was great. It was like he could not remove his hand from her shirt. How deep was his, was his hand like all the way in her armpit? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Did exactly. you see that? I was right. like, come on now. Yeah. But when, this is also, we see the kind of character that Jim and uh, his brother Tommy are, cause they go out there and they kind of like, you know, stand up for Johnny and take his side. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eric's not doing anything. He's just, like so useless. And what did you think of the fist fight? I mean, even oh, I know. <laughs> it was so awful. I was like, they could do a whole lot better. And, and then you hear those little poof, poof, yeah. punching <laughs> sounds. And shit. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh man, that scene could have been like a real quick, like one minute scene. And then that's it. You know, let's cut to something else. Right. And then this is where it's kind of like, uh, 
dropped into our consciousness that um, Johnny's going to use the law. He's not going to, he's rising above Hank's tactics. He's going to use the law and mm-hmm. fight Henry legally. Yeah, he um, got himself a good lawyer. Yeah, exactly. And then, um, so basically Hank is going to use his uh, spy tactics and he hears more of the, of uh, Johnny's, uh, I guess, plot, not plot so much as plan, plan. Um, that he's going to, uh, he's found a lawyer who's going to take the case on pro bono and and they're going to uh, uh, use the treaty as a basis to fight against the fishing rights uh, of the of the uh, indigenous people. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a landmark case. And of course, that just fuels Hank's anger. Yep. And then uh, I wrote in my notes that him and his crew are in the bar conspiring against uh, conspiring against Johnny Eagle. Right, because they're always within arms ring, length, arms reach length of a drink. <laughs> yes, they are. They're always drinking. Everybody's drunk. Yeah, it's yeah. Now, okay, I I've got to ask you about this because so Jim Hill, who's married to Carol Hill, agrees to take Doctor um, Drake, uh, Ann Turkel, out to kind of like show her the ropes on the water and, and like what's going on with the salmon and stuff. Does he seem a little flirty with her or is that just my read? I'm bad at this game because I'm not, you know, hmm. I'm, I'm looking at it from like a, a different viewpoint than the straight guy here. But in, did, did, in one did scene, he was kind of flirtatious. Yeah. And then it seemed like it just kind of dropped. So I'm like, yeah. OK, I just want to get your viewpoint on that because I'm like, he's married and his wife looks pretty much just like Andrew. Like all the women in this. <laughs> they all look the same. The same. Yeah, it's like a Friday 13th movie. It's like you didn't try very hard to like make anyone look different. No. And you know what? I'm going to take it back for a moment. What's weird, the first time we're introduced to Dr. Susan Drake, she seemed so unimpressed with everything that was going on there. It just looked (laughs) like she was sitting there bored out of her mind. Would you blame her? No, I couldn't. And then when she had to dance with that other scientist guy, she was just like, oh, I don't want to be here today. Well, and the one guy she was dancing with, she was like towering over him. I know. She's so tall. I love tall women. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was quite funny. Um, So now you've got to go back to the phone call with Peggy because we now see Peggy and Jerry on the beach kind of you know, getting all gropey with each other and making out. Okay, so those are the two lovers. Uh, see, I had already yeah. forgotten. And the woman next to them drawing is Linda. That's That was Linda? That's Linda. See, this movie messed with my head so bad. So Linda is the girlfriend of Tommy, who's the brother of Jim. Okay. <laughs> See what I'm saying? Yep, yeah, I, I got you now. Yeah, so Linda's the one who actually is like kind of different than everyone else. She's got the shorter, she's like a shorter brunette hair. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, really quick, Linda is Denise Gallic. She was in Partners from 82. I'm betting you've never seen this movie. No, never. Got Ryan O'Neill and John Hurt, and they're police officers, except John Hurt is gay. And Ryan O'Neill like wants nothing to do with him. And it's a comedy, but it's the most offensive comedy ever. So recommend seeing that one, guys. Um, <laughs> I love both of those actors, too. I know. It was, it's the weirdest movie. It's just so, like, politically incorrect. It's just so weird. It's very odd. Uh, and then she was in Deadly Games from 82. And then the incredibly, like, 
uh, it's just so like sleazy slasher. Don't answer the phone um, with an exclamation point from 1980. But that's uh, Linda. Who's mm. quite the artist. Uh, I liked her little rendition of the boat that she was sketching there. Yeah, that was pretty cool. And then I thought she was drawing the the two lovebirds making out on the beach. Which would have been even better. <laughs> that would have been a funny picture to see. <laughs> and then, but we also get, um, uh, like Carol kind of walks by too. Like in the, like in the, in the background, we notice Carol walks by. So she's kind of out there too, I guess, while Jim and, and, uh, cause Jim and Dr. Drake are off on the boat. So I'm assuming that Carol kind of like saw them off. Mm. But she, now, was it just me or did that like, the, did that look like the dirtiest beach you had ever seen? Oh, I'm glad you brought that up. Did it also not seem incredibly cold for all these people, especially the women, to be in bikinis in the water? Oh, it did. It looked super freezing. Yeah, nothing about that seemed inviting to be there. Like, I'm like, you're going to get pneumonia. Yeah, it was all very kind of like wet and mossy looking. But not only that, it looked like a beach in like some some frigid area like a place you would not be out in your bikini bottoms you know oh, and i picture being very stinky <laughs> yeah like it was great a lot of pollution yeah yeah, yeah like not nothing about this thing <laughs> to feel it <laughs> it was not a pleasant paradise right and i'm like we clearly know that peggy's got an apartment why isn't she or house why isn't she just back there with jerry getting it on instead of that gross gross beach i know why would you be walking on that all Nasty green seaweed and everything. I, ooh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> okay. So, uh, <laughs> so they're gonna. They, apparently, Linda is too close for comfort. So Jerry and uh, Peggy are gonna like head off somewhere secluded to a little alcove. So they're making their way away from her, and they're so hot and heavy into each other they don't notice the gigantic humanoid footprint in the sand, which I loved. Oh yeah, that was nice foreshadowing there. Yeah, exactly. And then did you notice, I love this, that like everyone from the night before has like black eyes. Did you notice like how beat up everyone was? Yeah, it's like they had one hell of a good fight. Yeah, everyone's got shiners (laughs) and scratches on their face. Uh, They all look rough around the edges. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, because on the boat, like uh, uh, Dr. Drake's taking photos of something underneath the water that like... uh, broke free of the line, but they couldn't quite see what it was. And they won't know what it is until she develops the photos. Yeah. And I thought that was an interesting question to ask. Like, does he not know how photography works? That film <laughs> has to be developed. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I don't know. Tom Atkins would know. I know. And I keep wanting to call him Tom Atkins. Actually, that would have played out differently because he and Anne or he and the doctor would have been in bed and she would have had the covers over her breasts and he would be smoking. And then he would have said, what was on that picture? <laughs> what was on that picture you just drew? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We won't yeah. know until I develop the film. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then I also like, cause then we get, so we're flashing between like the boat and then the couple on the beach. And then they also pass like a woman's like shoe, like covered in, in the seaweed. Oh, I didn't see like, that. Yeah, I'm like, all the clues are there, but you're just so darn horny. <laughs> yeah. All, all they're thinking about is their hormones. They're just listening to exactly, their bodies. Exactly. So then they make it to the frigid looking water and they playfully are like splashing and, you know, getting all like amorous with each other. And then Jerry does that thing where he goes underwater and you're like, oh, they got him. But of course, he was just playing around. Yeah. But then then they really got him. 
Well, I love how he's like dragged back, like backwards. So he like hits like face first and goes back. And I'm like, he's not fucking around this time. Yeah, he's like, he's definitely getting dragged under the water. Yeah. Yeah. And then <laughs> and then like he he's like kind of like hunched over and then he turns around and his face is just like gone on the side. Oh fuck. Yo, that was some good, some really good makeup work right there. They have like it's it's fast. They don't linger on it very much, but they've got really good gore effects, I think. Yeah. The visual yeah. stuck with me for many, many years of just like seeing half a face gone. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, and then and then we get poor uh, Peggy being drugged across the beach. And uh, by <laughs> I thought this was the most ridiculous thing. She grabs onto the sand. And tries to hold on to it as if it's going to stop her from being dragged oh, across the Peggy. beach. If only she had a fork. Uh, yeah, she she got to have that fork. She could fork it good, you know? Exactly. Well, that doesn't end, Well, we assume it doesn't end well for Peggy. No, because we're treated to some more exposition, right? Or is that the second girl who gets dragged off? Yeah, no, right now we're back at the bar with Hank. Okay. And I, I put my notes that he's pretty much just made up of 95% alcohol, I think. <laughs> he no longer has blood. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but he's actually filling the rest of his buddies in on uh, Johnny's uh, plan uh, with, the, with the lawyer and everything. Yeah, and so their plan is that they're going to have to silence him for good. Exactly, exactly. And then um, we, we now discover that Johnny and Tommy who's dating Linda, the artist from the beach, are all friends. And Johnny's really wanting to convince Tom to see the error of allowing the Canco uh, cannery to move into their town. And so they're like, hey, let's go back to my place and we'll kind of like, you know, chit chat and we'll have like a nice evening and, you know, we'll just discuss the wrongs of the cannery. Yeah, he's, I got oh. some steelhead that needs to be gutted or something like that. And so apparently they're going to have a good old fish fry. Oh, I thought that was a euphemism. I thought that was a pickup line. It might have okay. been. You never know. They could be having a threesome over there. Right. So they, they, they take off and then we're treated to one of the most bizarre scenes I feel in the film. And that's the tent scene with the couple and the ventriloquist dummy. Oh, that... <laughs> I that was I think that was all Roger Corman right there. I don't know who that was, but apparently the dummy's name is Chuck and his owner is Billy. Did you <laughs> now did you or did you not love the part where she was worried about getting splinters and his reply was <laughs> I've been sanded? <laughs> I'm like, well, that would imply <laughs> that the dummy's also going to be involved in the sex act. <laughs> Which I'm like, I would hope once you got into the like actual intercourse, he would leave that thing to the side. I would cover it with a like maybe three or four blankets <laughs> just to be uh, sure, you know. Yeah. And now I'm assuming this isn't their first date because I think that would be like a deal breaker. Like she's probably been with Billy for a while, I'm guessing. And she supports his love of ventriloquism. Vin, vin, is it is it ventriloquism or is it something else? Thank you. There you go. We're going to go with that. Okay. I, I assume she's very supportive and she's known this man for a while because I would think that this would not be something that most people would be open to on their first date. Yeah, I don't think that's first date material. That's probably like fifth date, maybe. Right. 
Yeah, yeah. Now I also love, and then of course they they uh, the men here are they look like not quite as bad as the women's because <laughs> <laughs> he just gets like sliced. You know, the, the the humanoid attacks through the tent and kind of gouges his back open. Yeah, and gets his back ripped. And then the woman takes off running. Did you notice how after she gets out of the tent, how much darker the film got? Oh, it was super dark. Okay. Yeah. It gets very dark as, as she like runs, flees for her life, but she's actually attacked by a very uh, amorous humanoid from the deep. Yes. Yeah, a very horny one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that then, was, uh, that was my first, um, well, watching the movie, my first full frontal scene of seeing i was like holy shit there's bush and so it's like and then we see her uh naked and afraid style running across the beach again very dark and then when she slipped on that muck she was just covered in it i was like oh no. is this the one where it's not the same girl because there's one where oh that's the shower scene you're thinking of oh okay because there's one where it's clearly not the same woman like like the woman that they show and then the woman, like, I thought it was this one. The woman fleeing, like her chest is very much bigger. Um, I maybe, I may that's, not be this. That's actually Cindy Weintraub's shower scene and she didn't feel comfortable with getting naked. So they put a body double in who was more voluptuous than her. Uh, okay. I actually, okay. All right. And then, so... <laughs> So then uh, we, we are done here. The trauma has been um, has been taken care of. And now we have uh, Hank and his um, his buddies um, <laughs> creeping up on uh, Johnny and them. Now I yeah. want to ask you something. Like Rambo you know style. About. So that? when they're in the boat, does he turn to that one guy and say, shut up, Susan? Yes, I got that in my notes. He was like, shut up, Susan. Okay. <laughs> 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 I thought that was great. That made me laugh so hard. I, I turned to Walt. And I'm like, did he just call that guy Susan? <laughs> I was thinking of like a way to do it where, where I'm just talking and it's like, I don't like the, I don't like what you're saying. Shut up, Susan. I know. And then I'm thinking, who was, was, was he referring to the doctor? Cause she's Susan Drake. Was he like making fun of him? Like he's the hmm. doctor, like, the doctor's an idiot and he's an idiot. Is that what that was? Or? No, I think he was calling him a pussy. So he's like, shut up, Susan. Like, that's what I got from it anyway. Oh, okay. I am. <laughs> that was so weird. It's kind of like, uh, <laughs> like, have you ever seen Menace to Society where, where the, they're in the car about to do a drive-by shooting and he's like, man, you acted like a little bitch right now. <laughs> it's a, that, that's my uh, parallel to it where he's like, shut up, Susan. You know, he's, call, one, he's calling him Dolly, a girl. Is that Men's to Society? That's the one with Dolly Parton and Morgan Fairchild, right? Yeah, definitely. That's, that's the one. All right. Um, but actually, what they they they've shown up to throw Molotov cocktails at the house. <laughs> <laughs> this is all right. The tent part was ridiculous, but this one was even more so ridiculous because unless uh, Johnny Eagle was carrying high explosives in his little shack. One <laughs> Molotov cocktail is not going to blow the damn place to smithereens. Walt was like, is the cabin just full of gunpowder? 
That's perfect. All right. So we're, we're thinking of the same things here. Like what the hell is going on? Yeah, it was the most flammable thing in the world. Yeah, it was like, it must've been a tinder box in there or something. It went up. Yeah. Apparently Johnny collected matches. <laughs> no, he not my matchbooks. He collected gunpowder, matches, everything flammable and just stored it right. in his house. <laughs> Oh, anyway, so, oh my God, I can't stop crying. Okay, um, so while, um, well, okay, oh, I love this too, because we also have like the little like head of the humanoid, which is basically just a gigantic like cranium, like bobs up out of the water and he's kind of like watching everything transpire too. Yeah, I was like the, the I was going to say alien creeper, but the humanoid creeper. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, they're big creepers, aren't they? Yeah. But we get Linda like runs down to like the end of like the the end of the dock to get water, and then so you're like, is she gonna get it here? But no, she like runs back up, and they're like, you go into town and get help, and, and Tommy and and Johnny are like, you go into town and get help. We're gonna stay here and fight the fire, and um, that's when Tommy gets attacked by the humanoid. Yeah, it pulls him <laughs> into the water. Yes, <laughs> and I thought he was done for right there. No, because he was smart enough to grab a gun and then start hitting him with it. He was beating off the fish. With a gun. I'm like, you got a gun. Shoot. Oh, man, I love this. And he's just like hitting it, but not even like the way you would hit. Like he's got two hands on the gun. He's just like. Yeah, he was hitting it like ever so gently. It was so weird. (laughs) Anyway, but then he gets like just like slashed and slashed by this humanoid and then johnny like runs up and sees it and he's like holy cow what's going on yeah um, i really then, thought um, i really thought he was dead right there at that point oh i did too i did too yeah i thought oh my gosh not tommy linda's boyfriend and jim's brother <laughs> his brother not his son his brother <laughs> yeah his, yeah and, and peggy's friend and jerry's best friend not him yeah anyway um and Carol's brother-in-law. No, not him. <laughs> Man, <laughs> we, there's, there's, there's too many people in this movie. <laughs> oh my gosh. I know. And so we got Linda in the truck and she's like speeding into town. And then we get this hand that breaks through the windshield. <laughs> oh, so was the, the humanoid on the truck the whole time? Did he leap onto the truck? I think there was more than one that they were implying because one of them, she... Uh, when she stopped the truck, it kind of flew out on the side and then she ran it over and then there were more. But still like how, where, okay. When did they, like, did she not see them in the truck when she jumped to like, cause these things. Yeah. They're big. Yeah. Yeah. So like, or I like, or if it jumped, did she not feel the truck? Like, kind of bounce when it hit you right. know? They, i don't they, know i just want to know these things I just, yeah i don't know man unless they got bird bones and they just kind of float <laughs> which they don't look like they would float no that <laughs> they don't um but yeah so it, it basically <laughs> it basically like you said she runs over the one and the other one breaks through the 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 rear window and attacks her causing the truck to like plummet to its <laughs> to its demise and <laughs> fiery <explodes>. death <laughs> Well, clearly she was carrying, I guess, buckets of gasoline or something. Apparently, yeah, because, you know, as we all know, the only trucks that explode are Volvos. Exactly, exactly, yeah. (laughs) And then we get, uh, we get, uh, it's a brand new day, and then um, 
Susan is uh, saying she needs to rent a boat from the beret wearing man who we've never seen before. Oh yeah. The old guy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm like, who's this? (laughs) (laughs) He was like a old uh, New Yorker kind of guy. Right. But we come to find out that it's Peggy's old lover who's left her to date Jerry because Jerry is now bisexual. Okay. I'll go with that. (laughs) It could be. We just don't know. Anyway. uh, But then, uh, then uh, we've got the, and again, the sheriff is all beat up. Everybody's all beat up. And, but the sheriff is talking to Hank and the guys. And then Johnny shows up uh, with Tom, who looks really horrible. And uh, he's in the back of the truck. Mm, and the sheriff is like, you got some explaining to do. Mm-hmm. And now, as far as I can tell, this is actually when we are told Tom's relationship to Jim. Yes, because the whole time, like I said, I thought that was his kid. Exactly. And then this is where the wife, Carol, is like, I'm going to go to the hospital to to check on, um, to stay with Tom, you know, because he's like, he's not dead. He's in critical condition. She's mm-hmm. like, I'm going to go. And then so Tom and Johnny and Dr. Drake um, are like, oh, there's something going on. And they're like, you know, we need Johnny to go with us because he's actually seen this thing. And then um, Jim is like, you're letting on that you to Dr. Drake. He's like, you know more about this than you're letting on. Yeah. It, which I thought was weird because we are so close to the film's climax right now. And then, you know, the doctor's like, Oh, we, we've genetically engineered. What was it? Hold on. Let me got to look at my notes here. So it was called DNA five, I believe. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's coming up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. DNA five. Yeah. And it's a growth gene. And they use frogs. They were working with frogs and they had tadpoles and it would turn to frogs in like five days. Yeah. Or turn day. the frogs gay. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to put that in. I was just thinking like with frogs and shit. <laughs> Keep going on this tangent. What now? Oh, the, you know, the Alex Jones rant and, you know, the gay frogs and everything. No, I have no idea. Oh, you've never heard about. of that? No. You know who Alex Jones is, right? No. Oh, wow. You're, I'm going to have to send you that YouTube video about him, oh, him ranting about gay frogs, like the, putting shit in the water, making the frogs gay. It's hilarious. Okay. Okay. okay so anyway, yeah. So, um, uh, oh wait, now I'm off here. Oh, this, that's where she's saying that like, they're like nocturnal predators. Um, and then she sees like a, like the sketch of the creature, which was a very nice sketch. I would hope that that would be available for framing. Um, and they're more developed. They are more developed than she figured out they would be. Um, yeah. So they're like a prehistoric kind of fish that hasn't evolved in a million years, but yet suddenly they, in one generation, they evolved to take on a humanoid kind of shape, I guess. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, a koalan camp. Koalan camp, I believe. It's a prehistoric kind of fish. Okay. Yeah. Um, so um, so the three are um, – hang on. That, I'm, I'm kind of jumping back and forth in my notes now. Um, Hurry up, so, Susan. Right. Because um, what you're talking about happens later, but now they're on the beach, and this is where um, – they kind of uh, discover um, the body of Peggy. Oh, I jumped ahead, didn't I? 
Yeah, that's okay though. Uh, they they find the body of Peggy, and I love how like, so Peggy's alive, and like she's covered in seaweed, and they uncover her face, but then Jim keeps going to uncover her breast to expose them to the camera. Right. I'm like, yes, poor woman has already been like you know sexually molested, you know, harassed and all this stuff. So let's just expose her breast to the camera. I think like, he wanted to find out if it was just her head or maybe her entire body was under there. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. We'll go with that. <laughs> um, but it's, she's still alive. Um, and then um, this is where we get another like big humanoid pops up for one more scare and attacks Drake, but you know, they, they kill it. And so they've got a, an actual like corpse that they could take back to the lab. I call that the, uh, the mutant genocide scene because they, I know there was only like one functioning suit, but it looked like they killed like seven or eight of them there. Oh, you know what? For having like, they had like, what was it? Three suits. Yeah. And working costumes, but only one was like good enough to show close-ups. I mean, they, they did a pretty good job of making it seem like they had a handful of humanoids. It did. It looked like there was about, you know, nine or 10 of them. Oh yeah. No, I think they did a really good job with that. Kudos to them. Um, so this is where we get some of like the exposition about like what Dr. Drake actually knows. Um, they're becoming amphibious. Uh, they've got tremendous brain capacity. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. So I did jump ahead. And then the one guy's like, well, your theory might be incorrect. And she like blows a gasket. She's like, my theory <laughs> is not incorrect. And people need to know. She told him, shut up, Susan. <laughs> shut up, Susan. <laughs> Which would be weird because she is Susan. Um, but didn't that guy strike you as very robotic in the way he spoke and everything? Much like a scientist. No, I'm just joking (laughs) to all my scientists listeners out there. Um, and then this is where like some of the stuff we were talking about, this is like all in her exposition that they like evolved into four growth phases, Mm -hmm. uh, and now they're seeing man as competition and they are getting the drive to uh, mate to evolve. Yeah. So they need to mate in order to evolve themselves further, apparently. Exactly. 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 Right. Which doesn't like. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Right. I'm thinking interspecies copulation doesn't work that way, does it? I don't. Interspecies erotica, fucko. Otherwise, we have like, you know, goat babies and horse people. Yeah. And then they would end up on uh, the fun house. Right. Exactly. How cool would that be? So, and then now we have finally gotten to the uh, nighttime festival. Oh, yes. The Carnival of Carnage. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And I love this being hosted uh, by the uh, DJ from KFish Radio, KFSH Radio. I know. Uh, I thought that was good, too. And you get a free visor if you stop by, which I want a free visor in the worst way. Um, And I also want to meet Sandy, the uh, Miss Salmon. I want to meet Roller Girl. Oh, yeah. See, I'm thinking... That's not a real roller girl because it's not Heather, Heather Graham. Graham roller girl has been attacked by a humanoid from the deep. Right. Would completely differently. See, I would have cast uh, Heather Graham in that role. Well, yeah, she would have stomped the crap out of that cranium of the humanoid. Oh, yeah. hell yeah. Blood all over her roller skates, but she'd, she'd be a survivor. And still looking sexy as shit. Yep. And so what uh, they have done is they've uh, intercut the festival with... Um, Carol Hill, Jim's wife, and their young child. They do have a young baby. Um, they've intercut her at home alone with the kid, and she's getting ready to take a shower, and she's just leaving the little kid in like a playpen. Which I thought um, she, uh, she was at the hospital the last time with his brother. 
well, see, and I think everyone else did too, because it plays comes into play later. He asked, well, where's Carol? And they're like, well, she went home because Tom's doing better. <laughs> Which but, is yeah, great. So. You know, you can't pick up a phone. Right. No, you can't. Yeah, no, they're too busy. Um, but yeah, so she's back there and I love, I love, love, love the scenes of the plate glass window at the, at their like cabin or cottage or whatever with the giant creature peeking in at the baby. Oh, that is so creepy. Yeah. That's horrible. Horrifying. Um, so, you know, basically the festival intercut with the woman home alone. Yeah. And see the home alone scenes really, really bothered me. Well, it almost seems like a different movie to me. Yeah. Like they different film I, 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 and it doesn't bother me it does not bother me but it's, it's got like a different tone to it you know it does and I wish they would have expanded on that a little bit more maybe yeah it, it feels more in place with the whole Peggy scene with except for the like loud slashing clothing falling yeah <laughs> like that one yeah. so it would have been like um, more of a slasher film had it Thank been you. like them, you know, home alone, taking showers and you that, know, that exactly. sort of thing. The words out of my mouth. Yeah. It's shot way more like a, a POV slasher film. Yeah. 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 And I love that. Don't get me wrong. Um, uh, but so, yeah, we get the, the festival and then um, you see the, again, the little brain pop up out of the water and go back down. Um, and then all of a sudden, like the, the boardwalk, like kind of like, Explodes with all these humanoids. <laughs> oh, I thought that was great. It's like, how strong do these creatures got to be, or how weak is that wood? Because know, they're yeah, just a, popping uh, up like a jack in the box, you know? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I also love the placement of the bubblicious stand. I didn't see that. Oh, yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh, I haven't thought of bubblicious in like ages. Wow. But, yeah. So um, I love also that the mom's in the shower and you hear the DJ just like giving like a blow by blow of everything that's happening. Right. Yeah. But she's in the shower, so she can't hear all the carnage that he's like reporting on. Oh, see, I had to I had to remove the headphones from my ears because there was way too much screaming for extended periods of time. Like you got oh, the yeah, fish like a, doing yeah. screaming and then people screaming and it's just like, all right, I can't take this anymore. And this one, I love that like uh, it's shot by a woman because there's so much uh, humanoid attacks on men, which is very different from like horror movies. Usually it's the, you know, the women being attacked, but like these humanoids are just going after the men right and left. Yeah. They're like, say, uh, save the women for later. We'll kill the men. And- Oh yeah, they're like ripping their arms and tearing heads off and stuff like that. Um, that second <laughs> head, uh, second head scene being ripped off, I thought that was like a, a Tom Savini kind of scene because it looked exactly like something that would be in a Savini. The effects film. are really fun. I, I mean, if you're into gore and creatures, I, I I think this is a really fun little, you know. Oh, definitely, yeah, yeah, creature feature, yeah. Um, so we've got uh, mom finally out of the shower. And um, she's now like actually hearing the news. And um, that's also when Sandy, Sam and Sandy is attacked, which I love Sandy. Poor um, Sandy. I have in my notes, Sandy's not safe with like three exclamation points. And you know what's funny? Uh, the the creature, like when she's fighting off the creature in the first scene, she's still wearing her bikini top. And then in the next scene, yeah. it's magically gone. 
Yeah. But the, the, actually, the actress herself loves it that she actually got to survive because she hits it on the head and she runs off and she loves that she actually got to survive a humanoid attack. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So she fends off the fish man and she escapes. Uh, but then we got mom and uh, she's out there locking up like it's like Fort, Car- Fort Carlson, like with all the locks and stuff she's got. Right. Inside. Big bolts and everything. I was going to say, like, how the hell you... I don't even think any, I don't care how strong you are. You're not getting in that house. Right, exactly. And then I love this because in my notes, I have flaming creature. Oh, I wrote the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, what's going on? We have like three films in a row where we've got, you know, people on fire or things on fire. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's because what they've done is they've got the uh, idea to basically douse the water with gasoline and set it on fire. That didn't seem very effective from my point of view. I mean, well, I don't. Yeah, I'm like, well, they just go on. Yeah, I, I was talking about that with Walt. I'm like, I don't really get the purpose of this, really, because they would go under. I mean, like the water's not going to go every. I mean, the fire's not going to go everywhere on top of the water. You would just swim as far as you needed away from it, or down lower and just go past it. I don't know. I didn't quite right. Get that as either, we've but. seen, there, there was like three patches of water that were on fire and the rest of the water was okay. I think what we really need to keep in mind is that Roger Corman likes to th- see things on fire and explode. <laughs> <laughs> and I Probably, think that yeah. made that happen. Yeah. But I think the best, like one of my favorite parts was when that little kid chucked a, was it a flaming spear at the creature and then set the creature on fire? And I was like, you go little boy. <laughs> right. Know? Right. <laughs> right. Um, but then also this is where we kind of see that like maybe Hank is not the biggest jerk in the world. Cause that little boy needs help getting his sister up. Yeah. Oh, I had questions about that. All right. Now we know that the creatures want to mate with women. So why were they yes. going after that little girl? I was wondering the same thing. Are they like implying that they're like just gonna like no matter the age, or yeah. are we like are we, are we as viewers reading too much into that? Yeah, I was wondering the same thing. I just put down pedophile. That's uh, are you there, Rob? I'm still here. Yes. Oh, you cut out. So whatever you said, that last thing cut out. Oh, I can't remember now. Okay. All right. But yeah, and then. Um, so um, Hank is helping her up to get the little girl. But then in the meantime, that humanoid attacks him. And mm-hmm. then we see what kind of person Johnny is because Johnny comes to help him up. Yeah. Just a scratch. Just a scratch. Now, did you think that Hank was going to throw him into the water? I really did. I thought he was either going to uh, try to drag him into the water or that he had a weapon. And as soon as he was safe enough, he was going to pull it out and shoot him. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then uh, I love the part too, where the, uh, (laughs) where the, uh, the humanoid takes attacks, the one guy uh, with the beard and his wife and the guy just starts beating him in the brain. (laughs) What about when they all gang up on that one? Yes, they've all got like logs. They just start hitting them, all the men. Just like, (laughs) you stay out of our town. Exactly. Leave our women folk alone. (laughs) And where did they they get all those like pieces of plywood from? (laughs) Probably from the boardwalk that just like tore them. Yeah, they just ripped the boardwalk apart. They're like, we're going to take our place back. 
Okay, so real quick, that one scene where it was like the like the boardwalk or the dock or whatever, and the lady is sliding down it and she's grabbing onto it with her nails. Um, I think I missed that part. Oh, Robin looks so painful because she's like falling down it and she's like grabbing it with her nails. I'm like, that had to have ripped her fingernails out. Oh, yeah, definitely. Was, yeah. Oh, I'm like, oh, and the splinters. I'm like, oh, no, no, oh, no. Fuck that. You know, I've got a little quick story about that. I was peeling the sticker off of a humidifier and uh, apparently I didn't do it the right way or my nail just slipped. And there was a piece of plastic underneath, like right in my nail bed, and it hurt oh, so no. fucking bad. I had oh. to, I had to get it out with tweezers, and I was basically in tears because it would not oh. come out, and yeah, it hurt. Like so, like when oh. they when they speak of torture and bamboo shoots under the fingernails, I can oh, yeah, attest that like that's that. not going to feel good. <laughs> no, Holy Ugh. shit! Ugh. Luckily, there was not a Randy humanoid waiting for you. No, because I would have been, uh, I would have been, my fingernails would have been in pain and my asshole would have been in pain. <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> you know they don't bring lube. No, they've they, got slime on their body, so they don't need lube. Oh, I didn't think about that. Yeah, I didn't <laughs> think about that. Um, so now we're back home again with Carol, and then uh, she puts the baby in the closet and she turns the lights out and grabs a knife. <laughs> Oh, this is so ridiculous to me. It's like, I know you got to protect your kid, but who's to, you know, how's your kid know what's going on that they're going to remain silent and and just. I was going to say it was crying in the closet. It's not like the humanoids can't figure out where this kid's coming from. Right. (laughs) I also love how she runs and places herself right by the door. And we all know what's going to happen. It's going to buzz through the door because she's right by it. Yeah. Yeah, and then I do love how she gets the drain cleaner and goes to town on the humanoid with the drain cleaner. Oh, because she tries to fend it off with the lamp first, and the lamp doesn't do anything. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. So then Um, the drain cleaner kind of does the job, and then she gets a little stabity with it. Yeah, and then she just cowers in the corner. (laughs) Like, whatever. Uh, But then there's something at the door, Rob. Oh, yes, and she thinks it's another one trying to make its way in. And then she almost stabs not Tom. Not Tom Atkins. That. Yep. And then and then the kid's okay. And that and they're all fine. And so the next morning, they go back to visit. Like, so I'm like, like basically the whole town looks like they're pretty much like if they're not murdered, they're pretty much beat up and they're be- they're wor- more worse for the wear than before. It looks like they were in some kind of uh town-related rumble where everybody just got messed up. Oh, yeah. It looked really bad. It looked really bad. And then uh, so um, and Hank, Hank, uh, I mean, uh, the sheriff uh, looks really way out of it. He has not uh, not had a good night. Amazingly, he survived. <laughs> right. Amazingly. Amazingly. Yeah. And then um, they mentioned that Drake's OK. She went back to her lab and Carol's like, everything's OK. Right. And I'm like, is it? Because I mean. Just because you killed some of them doesn't mean there's not a bazillion more down in that water. Right. How, like, how many are we talking here? She said a thousand salmon some, somehow got free. Three thousand. Um, yeah. yeah. Three thousand. Oh, yeah, three thousand. Like, okay. Yeah. I'm like, Carol, you're just wanting to see things. You're, she's a, was it half, the glass is half full kind of gal. Yeah. Clearly. She's an optimist. Yeah. And then that's the end of our movie. Oh, wait. No, it's not. <laughs> because what? We, uh, Dr. Susan 
We see yes. wearing a wearing a face mask because COVID was uh, around back then. No, because she's yeah. a doctor. And uh, who was the lady with the scarred up face? Oh, you must mean Peggy, the survivor ah, from the beat. Yes, Peggy. Okay, so apparently she turned into a vampire because her eyes are really white. What's um, up with that? Okay. Yeah. yeah, and then she has a baby burst out of her chest like an alien. And it does that little uh, human fish type scream thing. And and then, yeah. you know, we're treated to the end credits. Yeah. I do not understand the eye thing. I'm like, why did Peggy turn into a human? I don't understand that. Yeah. Like, was she a werewolf, a vampire? Or uh, I don't I don't know why they put the white contacts in her eyes. Or is it like a weird STD? <laughs> Could be like a fish STD. Yeah. Yeah. That we just don't know about yet. Yeah. So, so just uh, really quick, I I did find out like because uh, there's a lot of like um, not a lot, but there's some extras on the the uh, Screen Factory Blu-ray that I have. Um, the original working title of this was Beneath the Darkness, and that's what okay. Barbara Peters was actually directing. And then later on, when like uh, Susan Turkell and some of the other actors involved in this saw the finished product, they were like mortified horrified angered and they like wanted their names taken off it and everything and like roger corman's like no <laughs> yeah he's like if uh i remember barbara peters wanted her name removed and he's like if you pay for the if you pay for them to reshoot the credits um you can have your name removed and she was like nah never mind yeah and, and oh go i'm sorry oh many years later she ended up watching it on cable and admitted uh yeah admitted it ended up being a fun little film well now speaking of cable i did not know this until i was delving into this i can't believe i missed this so they remade this showtime remade this in 1996 did you know that no i didn't yeah it had robert carradine and clint howard in the remake so i know it's available on dvd i, I saw that but i don't know if it's you know you could stream it or blu-ray oh, or anything like that i i so have to look for this yeah, I have no idea. I did not know that existed. So, yeah, I'd like to see it. I mean, even if and, it sucks, I still want to see it. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I'm not picturing, like, anything like this, which I think I love this one. But, uh, and also, apparently, Joe Dante had, was offered the film before Barbara, and he turned it down. Huh. Now, are you, I'm sorry. Do you know Joe Dante? Gremlins? Uh, yes, I've heard okay, of the well, name. I thought you did, and I thought I shouldn't just assume because that makes an ass out of you and me. <laughs> if you assume, yeah. And yeah. also a fun little thing, there was a sequel called Humanoids from the Deep 2, The Next Generation, where the creatures had learned to talk. And it was planned to be released in 91 by 21st Century, but it never materialized. So it's uh, laying around in some vault somewhere. It was made? Um. It looks no. Oh, okay. It was planned, but so I don't think it was actually oh. made. Okay, because I'm like, if this thing exists, I need to get my hands on it. Okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was probably planned and then scrapped later on. Okay. Cut to my chair just spinning around because I've already ran to the car and I've taken off just trying to find. This thing. <laughs> You're like, I gotcha. gotta find this film right now, and I run out the door in just my speedos and my vest. And nothing else. <laughs> you know, we do have to locate the 1996 one though. Oh yes. Oh my gosh, because we could cover that, couldn't we? Yeah, we could. Holy cow. Oh, Rob. Oh, I'm so excited. Um, now, so my friend, Humanoids from the Deep, would you recommend it? 
I would. I would recommend that to everybody with the little caveat that you're probably going to be offended by something in this movie. Yes. Yeah. yeah yes. I mean, it is. It is dealing with a horrible, awful plot point of, you know, rape by a humanoid. Yeah. You've got racism. You've got. Um, you've got oh, some- yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. You've got like, well, Dr. Susan does play a very strong independent woman, though. She's a uh, she's a damn fine little scientist. Yeah, she is. And yeah. did you love that part where she said she's a professional scientist? Right. I wondered <laughs> if there were any other kind. <laughs> well, there are. Those are the ones you want to steer clear of. <laughs> <laughs> the unprofessional scientists. They're out there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They're drinking out test tubes. Yeah. They're just, (laughs) they're putting, they're putting their own DNA in with other stuff. You know, they're so unprofessional. They have a burn hole through their mask so they can smoke while they're like cutting things open. (laughs) Or they don't wear masks at all. At all. Right. At all. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Who needs rubber gloves? Yeah. It's like we're, we're going in raw. I'm an unprofessional scientist. Um, I too love the movie. It's, uh, uh, yes, I, yes, I'm certainly uh, not going to say it's for everyone. It would, I can totally get where it would offend, um, viewers and I'm not just discounting them or discrediting their viewpoints whatsoever. Um, but for me, I just love my creature feature so much. Uh, it's just so eighties. Um, it's just so goofy. Um, it's just so, (laughs) It just checks off all the little weird things that I love in film. It um, does. I mean, and I think just, you know, not, I would say put, put everything aside and just try to enjoy the movie for what it is because it's not really taking shots at anybody. It's just a product of its time. Yeah, but I'm definitely not making light of the situation. I mean, it's that's a, a it is a true horrible crime against people. I'm not, you know, if you've on, undergone that, I can certainly see where this movie would be triggering. And I oh, don't yeah. want you know to recommend you know just everyone run out and see this because you know I, I I'm not making light of that at all at all. Um, so yeah, you, you do make sure you understand what the subject matter is before you pop it on, or you know you invite other people to watch it that you know this may greatly upset yeah um, i didn't mean to sound insensitive there i just oh I, no 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 i didn't no I, I didn't take you as sounding insensitive at all i just want to make sure that audiences aren't just like hey let's all have a party <laughs> let's, let's have a watch like, party yeah fun little yeah, disclaimer you know yeah, they lose friends real quick yeah yep. um, yeah no but it's 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 a it's a corman film through and through yeah yeah uh now if they would like to reach us um and send their own uh, unedited pictures of their humanoid from the deep. <laughs> uh, they can do so on Instagram at Midnight Mass Creature Cast, and I would love to interact with you there that way. And then, Rob, are there other ways they can talk to us? Yes, they could send us an email at mmccpod at gmail.com and um, address all your humanoids from the deep to Mark. Just put attention mm-hmm. Mark on there, and I'll send, I'll send everything his way. <laughs> I'm a human nerd from the deep. <laughs> human nerd. I like that. Um, 
And then I'm pretty sure I'm super stoked for this. Our next episode, we are going to be doing extra. Yeah, the one that you've been uh, telling me about for quite some time. And I'm finally, I finally found it. So I have the chance to watch it for the very first time and share my experience with you. Yeah. Now make sure it's the one which is the capital X because Sextro is a little different. Okay. No, this one was definitely with a capital X. Okay. All right. And then, so we sincerely, sincerely appreciate you joining us for this episode and any other ones that you've been on this journey with us through so far, uh, because the more the scarier, I always say. Agreed. And thank you for listening. We truly appreciate you joining us on this journey as you know, we go back into the films that we loved and we experienced some new ones, maybe. Mm-hmm. All right. Until next episode, stay spooky. I forgot to say stay spooky. I'm sorry, <laughs> but you, you took care of it. So we'll end it on that. <laughs> <laughs>